listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tvcweb.com. Well, some of you have heard me talk about this, but I love walking out here in the woods. Of course, there are some qualifiers like, you know, it can't be too hot and it can't be too muggy and the bugs can't be really bad. But really, I mean, like, that's a ton of the year in Michigan. And for me, living here in the Yankee Springs area has been a total gift. It's amazing. I love watching the trees and the the wildlife, all of it. And, and I know this is going to sound terrible, but maybe what I like best about being in the woods is that there's almost always no other people. It's just me and the wildlife, and they run when they see me. I love that. Which I know sounds a little weird considering I've been hammering for weeks this idea of the importance of spiritually intentional relationships. And you might be wondering, you know, why am I ending this series talking about how much I like places where people pretty much much aren't if it's such a big deal? And it's, it's a great question. So I'll let you in on a little secret about me. I love people. It's true. I, I really do. But 41 years of being on sort of display has had its challenges. As I've said for a long time, I'd be the perfect pastor if it weren't for people. And I, I think you understand this. People can sometimes be hard on you. I mean, sometimes as much as you love people, you almost desperately want to escape in some way from them. They can hurt you, confuse you, and put pressure on you. Sometimes it's like all at the same time. And this is why I've taken an annual study break for years. It's why I've worked so hard to draw boundaries around my personal life. Not, not because I don't love people, but because, because I do. And I understand that based on my own limitations, this is not about anybody else's, but on my own limitations, I have to learn how to live in the tension of loving people and staying healthy. And it's never been something, if you want to know the truth, that I've been very good at. In fact, sometimes when I get a little overwhelmed and feel like too much people, too many people, I find myself falling into what I call fake Jeff mode. It's like all smiles and niceness, but it isn't me. And what scares me about fake Jeff mode is is that I know it's sin. The Bible says in Romans 12, 9, that love must be sincere. And it's that word must in that verse that troubles me. Faking love isn't good enough. I mean, real love, it's got to be sincere. So, of course, the question is, how can we do that well? Especially knowing that people can stress you and mess with your head and all that. Well, that's what I want to talk about, but, but I'll leave that to my future self, okay? Right now, I'm going to go on a walk. Peace. But I have to get away from the cameraman. Go away. Now, there's no denying that I have been, over this four-week series, absolutely pushing the idea of spiritually intentional relationships, of relationships that have intentionality in the area of spirituality. And just to be clear on that, the idea behind that is not like, 
you have to know a thousand people. It could be just what we used to call like a small group. It's a tribe. It's just a handful of people, or it could even be one people. But the point behind it is, is that you have someone that you are intentionally connected with in your endeavor to grow in your relationship with God. And my contention has been that we need these because you were made that way. I mean, you may not even acknowledge it consciously, but you were made that way. You go all the way back to the beginning. I've been talking about this. God creates man, and shortly after he creates him, breathes the breath of life into him, he looks at him and he says, it is not good for the man to be, can anybody tell me? Alone. In other words, it's unhealthy for us to be alone on our own. And you would think that if that is true, if that's the way God made us, that this wouldn't be difficult. I mean, we you know, most of us, we, want to, we love God, we want to serve him, we know he calls us to be in those connections and have those kind of relationships, so easy peasy, right? Wrong. Because the truth is, is that this is far more difficult than you might think. In fact, I will tell you why it is. It's hard to build these relationships, to do this kind of thing, pretty much for one thing, which you could say in two words, which is other people. So it's always the other people, it's the people out there, that me, it's what makes me love walking in the woods so much, getting away from other people. Now, some of you might say it differently. Some of you might say, it's not other people, it's the idiots in the world. And uh, I heard, I said this on a Thursday night, and uh, I heard someone say that their kid said, he said a bad word. And I kind of agree, it's not a good word. And I know you don't mean it. When you say there's idiots, that's the reason I don't want to be around people is because they're all idiots. You don't mean that. You, you know they're not always stupid, they're not always evil. What they are is they're people. They're just, they're just people. That's what they are. I mean, let's just be honest. As a species, we're a mess. Anybody agree with me on that? I mean, just look around you. I, I feel a little nervous to live in America these days. It's just crazy how, how violent, how much strife and dissension can come between people. As a species, we are a mess. I mean, you think about it. No one who's ever fallen in love. I mean, I meet this girl and I fall in love with her and she falls in love with her. No one who has ever done this since the fall of mankind has ever done that and not hurt each other. You hurt the person you fell in love with, and they hurt you. That is part of life. And that is because most of us have our own little slice of crazy we, we do. And of course, some of us have bigger slices than others. Like the person next to you, right? <laughs> yeah. well, I, well, everybody has their little slice of crazy except for me and my family. Actually, not my family. In fact, my family maybe has a larger slice of crazy than a lot of people that I know. I, I shouldn't rant on my family, but I just, I just see weirdness in people all the time, in my family. Like, there are people in our family, when they're cooking in the kitchen, they walk around every cupboard door they open. It will be left until Jesus returns open. <laughs> every cupboard door, every cupboard door they open, every drawer. I have walked in and seen three or four drawers in a row, all pulled open and left there. And I would not mention names. I would never say my wife's name when I'm talking about this, all right? I just want to make it clear. Some people in my family, and, this is, and I have a fairly large family, some people in my family, they leave a room, they leave a house, and they leave the lights on, which is clearly against the will of God. 
Some of them, some of them, I'll tell you what's, I'll tell you what really kills me, is some of them love to stand with the door, the exterior door open while you're heating or air conditioning and just leave it that way and have long conversations. Again, this is called sin. In fact, we had family at our house last night. We're playing a game, and in the game, I kept seeing bugs. I'm like, I, we normally don't, what's wrong? Somebody left a door open. Like, what is, they're crazy. That's all I can say. I don't, I don't know. I mean, some people put their toilet paper on so it goes over the top and back and down like that. You have to pull, again, clearly that's sin. What, I, there, there, there's, is anybody with me on that? <laughs> oh, let's cause some strife right now, baby. Over toilet paper, we come to blows. This is the way it is. The truth is, as critical as spiritually intentional relationships are, in other words, we should have these connections and they should be healthy in our lives, they're critical to our own happiness, our own well-being. And I would even contend as strong as it sounds to the health and well-being of our nation, of our world. And I don't say that lightly. But they are, without question, some of the hardest things that we ever do. I mean, you think about this. How many times have you been in a project and somebody offers to help, and you're like, thank you very much. I can do it easier myself. Come on. You ever said that? It's easier. These people that I have to work with, these, it, it, uh, these crazy people, whatever they are, I don't, it's easier for me to do it myself. There's something hard about connecting and really building and keeping healthy relationships. And so over the last couple of weeks in this series, I talked about things that, in many ways, almost unconscious, keep us pushing people away so that we don't build healthy, intentional spiritual relationships. This week, I want to, as I finish the series, I want to zero in on the idea of how we develop, number one, and then, number two, maintain spiritually intentional relationships, relationships that are emotionally of depth, that are healthy. And parenthetically, I'll just say this. I understand you may be watching online. You may be here at the Hastings campus or one of our other campuses, and, and you're not even sure where you're at with God. I, I, I will tell you this, that the principles that I'm going to share with you will absolutely work regardless of the state of your spiritual life, whether you believe in God or not. And I pray that you figure that out and work through that process. But the things that I'm going to share, they actually work if, if you truly really work at applying them, if you make the effort. Because at some point, whatever relationship you're in, it's going to have some hard spots in it. Would you all agree with that? Relationships are just hard. I mean, relationships have seasons. So, so you start out and you have like the honeymoon season. You're on your best behavior. It doesn't matter if it's somebody you meet for the first time at work or if it's a romantic relationship, whatever it is, a friend. You start out, you're, you're, you know, you're thoughtful about what you're saying. You're trying really hard. But pretty soon, little slices of annoying crazy start to pop up because people are weird and they're broken. And it's a mess. And so it makes the relationship really hard. And this is what happens is that kind of things just start I mean, even great people, they have their weirdness. And all of us have issues and things start to fall apart. You may be familiar with uh, two guys named Paul and Barnabas. Now, Paul, many know because he wrote a large portion of the New Testament scripture. And Barnabas actually was a guy that was on his team, traveled with him. Actually, when these guys got together and began to travel, sharing the greatest message the world had ever heard, the message of Christianity, they were traveling ministers, if you will, and they went all over and they saw amazing things. I kind of saw them like Batman and Robin. 
I mean, these guys were together. They saw God move. They saw supernatural things. It was remarkable. And then at one point, this guy whose name is John Mark joins up with them because he was in Jerusalem. They were in Jerusalem, and he saw them, and he wanted to join them, their team, and so they felt he must felt that he was qualified, and so he joined their team, and they continued traveling, and then at some point, John Mark just bombs out, and he leaves and goes back to Jerusalem. And then they end up back, Paul and Barnabas, Batman and Robin, back in Jerusalem again. This time, Paul has an idea on some ministry they should do, but John Mark wants to rejoin the team. He's really game now. He says, I can do this, in fact. And this is where Batman and Robin start to experience what always comes, what always, always, always comes, and that is tension and struggle in the relationship. Let's just take a look at the scriptures found in Acts chapter 15. So there, back in Jerusalem, it says, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and, and see how they're doing. In other words, let's visit the churches that started after we'd gone and preached. And Barnabas, though, wanted to take John Mark, also called Mark, that's John Mark, with them. But Paul didn't think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Now, I underlined this last part because I want you to see it. They had such a sharp disagreement that they, say it out loud with me, parted company. You ever seen that happen? Such a sharp disagreement. They had seen God do supernatural stuff. They had worked together. They had watched God move in amazing ways. And then comes this thing between them And it becomes such a big deal, so significant, that they end up parting company and going different ways. Because what happened to them is what always happens in all relationships. Discord hits. It always, always does. I bet you have a story of that. I bet you have a story of someone that you really like, that you really thought the world of. It could be romantic, it could be a friendship, it could be anything. And then, at some point, you never thought it happened, but then discord hit. And some of you are still wounded and stinging from that. Because you, you parted company and you have not gone back. You've not reconnected. It's just done great damage. I could tell you plenty of stories. I, I was thinking about this. I've got one This kind of very significant to me. When I was like 17 years old, so I'd moved away from home. I'm on my own, making my own way and everything, going to high school, finishing high school. And I was dating Anne. And I was driving a Datsun pickup. Only old people are going to remember what those were. They were horrible vehicles. But I was driving this little Datsun pickup. And I was out at her place, her parents' place, and I went to leave and tried to start it, and it wouldn't start. It was broken down. And I was like, I cannot do this. I'm working two jobs. I'm trying to go to high school. I'm trying to do everything right, and it's falling apart. I was so angry and so upset, and it was just like the world's falling apart on me. And so the guy that I worked for had also kind of become a friend to me, and and I thought maybe he could help me. So I called him and said, hey, could you could you help me with this? I don't even know what to do. The truck won't start. It's broken down. He says, no problem. He says, I'm going to bring my truck out. I'm going to bring a tow rope, hook you up. We'll take it in, get it to a mechanic. It'll be okay, Jeff. It'll be all right. So he came out, brought the tow rope. When he got there, he could see how upset I was. Hands around, kind of at the side going, just stay away from Jeff. He's, you know, I don't know what, what she was saying, but I was just so upset by it. And so he didn't really even talk to me. He just got down. He, he hooked the rope underneath the truck, and he hooked it up to his truck, and he said, get in. And, and he started to tow me. Didn't really say much. He starts towing me away. Now, if you've ever done, nobody does that anymore. They don't use a tow rope. You should not use a tow rope. But back then, everybody used whatever they had. Well, the guy with the, that's being towed, he's the one that has to break you. you. You don't have the guy in front break. You have the guy in back break. So we hadn't even got out of the subdivision road when, when my boss and my friend 
puts his arm out the window like, stop, stop. And so I'm like, what is it? I cannot believe this. So I, I break us down and we go off to the side and I'm like, what is going on? And he gets out of his truck. Now I want to just stop here and do a timeout because what I'm about to say is, is politically incorrect. And I know that, all right? I'm going into this knowing it's politically in, incorrect. You have to understand it was the early 70s. He smoked and I smoked, okay? That should help you understand this. And I'm not making a statement on this was a good thing there was something very powerful that happened in it, though. So he got out of his truck, and I thought, what is it he wants? And he stopped, and he lit a cigarette, and he walked back to my truck, and he just handed the cigarette in through the window and turned around and walked away, got back up in his truck and started driving away. And I know some of you right now, he gave you a cancer stick. Yeah, I know, okay, I got it, and I'm not promoting that. But he did way more than that. I will never forget that moment. He walked back, he just handed it to me, with a half smile on his face and turned around and walked back. He never said one word and he said volumes. We were guys. So he was not going to stop and say, get out of the truck so I can give you a hug. (laughs) Instead, he handed me death. I don't know, you know, he handed me something. And I remember sitting in the truck as he was driving away going, that may have been one of the kindest things anyone has ever done for me. I know that sounds crazy, and I know some of you are going, I can't believe you're saying that. Just take the spirit of what I'm saying, okay? And as he drove away, I thought to myself, he is not just my friend, he is my best friend, and I would have laid down in front of a truck for him. I felt like we had, and in the days to come, our relationship was so rich and so strong, we were very much a Batman and Robin team. It was a wonderful thing. Until? Until? And it always happens, doesn't it? Until discord comes in and something happens, and I can't even remember. Was it him that said something? Me that said something? Was it both of us? Whatever it was, it came so bad that we parted ways, and I thought this relationship is destroyed and we'll never have any hope. And it seemed like it was going to be that way for a long time because that's what happens in relationships. Now, fortunately, it wasn't destroyed, but what it did was it blew up something I thought could never be damaged. And I bet you thought that about a relationship and then seen it damaged as well. Because there's all kinds of things that damage it. I mean, it's like you feel like you're the one always saying, how you doing? And they never ask you or whatever it is. There's so many different ways. There's every reason imaginable for relationships to fall apart. And so we have a choice. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. You have a choice. Do you decide that, well, apparently relationships just have a shelf life? So if it starts to fall apart, let it crumble, walk away, maybe build some walls and snipe at each other behind them. Or or do you say, there is actually a better way. There is actually a way to work at this relationship, even though it's in a place of discord, even though it's difficult. What do you do when discord hits? And what I want to do is just share some simple thoughts on these things, and I want to provoke you. I want you thinking about your relationships, maybe your marriage, maybe your relationship with your children or a parent or a sibling or, or someone at work. But these are also applicable in relationships where you say, we want to grow our relationship with God, what I've been calling spiritually intentional relationships. And I just want you to say, do I maybe need to make some changes based on what I'm hearing today? So if you want your relationship to be healthy, and then secondly, to survive serious discord, first thing, and this is so huge, is you, you have to listen, not passively, but actively. Let me say this. I, I wrote it first and last. You have to listen. And I know some of you right now, you're going, yeah, 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 you know what? I have listened. But she never... Li- 
Stop it. This is not about the other person. This is about you. And this is one of the biggest mistakes we make is that we go, but he will never look. No. Close it. You listen. You listen. First and last, you must listen. Now, I'm going to acknowledge this is much easier for me to stand up here and preach and act like, you listen. What's wrong with you? Just listen to her, all right? You know, it's easy for me to stand up here and do this. I will be honest with you and say that probably this has been the area that I've wrecked and done damage to more relationships in my life than any other one. I was talking when I should have been listening. Anybody know what I'm talking? You don't have to lift your hand. I was talking when I should have been listening. And you know why? So often it's because I thought to myself, I already know what they're thinking. And they're not very smart. They need to listen to me. I already know. You know what I've learned? You know what years have taught me, if nothing else? And I'm still struggling with this. You think you'd get old and you'd be like, ah, now I listen really good. No, I just, I have a hard time shutting this thing. Because I think I know what people are thinking. And what I've learned is I'm a lousy mind reader. I think I know, but I don't. This is why scripture says, James 1, 19, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. In other words, hey guys, pay attention here. Everyone should be, what's the next word? Quick to listen, but slow to speak and slow to become angry. I mean, this is just a simple thing. A good rule of thumb for all of us might be this. When you think you've listened more than enough, you've just started. Now, don't look at your husband or wife or somebody in your family and go, I told you. Don't. If you're doing that right now, you're not listening. You think you've just started to listen more than enough. You've only just started to listen. So first thing is, you have to listen. You have to listen. Is there somebody that you need to be listening to that you're not? Are you trying to be a mind reader and you're not? Second thing, and this is huge, is, is you actually have to give them permission to speak. Now, let me explain what I mean by this because it's really important. What I'm describing here is not a, look, I'm asking you to tell me what's in, just talk to me about what's inside you. If you do that, I think that's wonderful. I do think we should do that. But that's not what this is. What I'm talking about here is, is where you say, I want to hear what you are thinking, what's going on in you. Listen, listen. Even if it hurts me. I give you permission to speak in a way that you know may make me feel bad because I want to know what's going on in there. In other words, I will survive the hurt, but I will never know what's happening in you if you do not step out bravely and speak the truth to me, even though you know it's going to hurt me. Now, we've talked about in this series, so many people in your life that you call friends, they're not really friends, because what they won't do is they won't tell you what you need to hear. They'll tell you what they think you want to hear. Because they don't want to offend you. They don't want to upset you. And even if they didn't care about that, the truth is, is that often people just don't have that much interest to do it. It's like, I'm not going to pay the price. You have to give them permission. Even if this hurts, I need to know what's going on in you. I give you permission to speak to me. Because we talked about this line of sight, right? They can see things in you that you just aren't seeing. But so often, this is what we do, is we just don't do it. And the fact is, is because you don't give people permission to speak the truth, the real truth to you, you often don't see the thing which is 
what you need to know to get to the next level in your life. The truth you need to see because you're, you're, it's out of your line of sight and you're not seeing it. But it's going to hurt when you hear it. It's going to be painful. But what it does for you is so amazing. Jesus said it this way. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But first, first you've got to hear the truth. The truth so often that we need to hear never gets spoken because we don't clarify, I want you to talk to me no matter what. And many of you might say, well, I've told people, you know, just if you need to tell me something, just tell me. Okay, you're saying it verbally, but you're communicating non-verbally, I really don't want to hear that crap. And the truth is you don't. When you give permission to someone to speak into your life that which would be painful, you really don't want to hear it. I'd rather not hear that stuff, but that's stuff that we need to hear. And so we need to be thoughtful about what we're telegraphing, because many of us say, I want you to know. And many of us think people are mind readers too, you know, I mean, you don't know what's going on in there. You need to give them permission to speak to you honestly. Is there someone in your life maybe? that you really just haven't said that to, I need to hear what you have to say. So I'm listening. I give you permission. Now, just as, just as you give them permission to speak into your life, you need to have the courage to speak truthfully into their life. And that's the third point. First, you listen. Second, you get permission to speak. And third, you speak truth. But you have to do it gently. This is what the Bible says. The Bible talks about how we grow up. It says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. In other words, we'll we'll become a mature church. We'll become a mature people. How does that happen? How do we become mature people in every respect? Speaking the what? The truth in love. We speak the truth so As I said, I'm a lousy mind reader, and what I've learned is is that I often assume sometimes that people can read my mind. So I'm in a relationship with someone, and I think, you know what I'm thinking. You know what I think is right. They don't necessarily. And you don't know what they're thinking. Sometimes you have to be courageous enough to just step out and speak the truth into someone's life, even if it's going to be difficult or even if it's painful. But how you do it is so critical. I'm serious, how you speak to people. Notice what it says. It says, we'll be speaking the truth. What are these words? In love. And how you speak into somebody's life makes, literally, it makes all the difference in the world. Sometimes we have things that we need to say to someone and they're difficult. And you can say them in a way that they will go, thank you. Or you can say them in a way where they will shut you completely off. This, look at this. This is what Scripture says, Galatians 6.1. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. How? How? Gent- gently. Gently. Because here's the truth. No matter how true what you have to say to someone is, if you do not say it in a way that they can hear it, it does no good. That was really deep. Should I say that again? Because I I don't want you to miss that. It's no matter how true it is, what you have to say, the truth does no good if they don't hear it. You know, I've been 
a communicator for decades now, and I, I hear people talk about preaching all the time. Preaching, you know, often, I've heard this so many times. You just preach the word of God. You just, it's just the word of God. If you just preach a word of God, it's scripture, and that's all you have to do, and it stands on its own, and it's fine, it's great, it's great. And I understand what they're saying, but what they're really saying is delivery doesn't matter. How you do it, how you speak it, and what way it comes out, and how you present it doesn't matter. Baloney. It matters entirely because no matter how true it is, if it's not delivered in a way that someone understands it, they'll walk away ignorant. If I stood up and said, I'm going to give a talk, and then I begin to speak in Mandarin, you know, Chinese, and I'm just, I'm ta- and you don't know the language, it does you no good, right? Now listen, how you speak truths that are hard to hear to people matters incredibly. And some of us, we wait until we get angry, and then we blow up and say, well, I'm just saying the truth. No. You're just blowing up. When you speak truth into someone's life that's not easy to hear, you want to do it gently and in love. Nobody's saying amen, but that's good preaching right there, all right? Sometimes when you hear the truth, man, it's hard to hear. And when someone gives it to you in a way that you can hear it, it makes all the difference in the world. Don't don't miss that. Fourth thought, just really quickly, is if you want to keep healthy relationships... Look, I under, don't, don't quit. I understand that sometimes there's going to be pain, there's going to be difficult, uh, your, your relationship's going to kind of separate, and, and, and sometimes that happens. And it's okay. It's all right. Here's what I would say to you. Just don't quit. Don't quit. Maybe you're not talking to each other right now, but that doesn't mean that you're quitting. The game isn't over. Don't quit. Just don't quit. I say it this way. Just leave the door open a crack and periodically come back and just knock on the door and say, hey, I do care. Some of you have not talked to a brother or a sister or your parent or somebody else in years, and you need to open that door crack. And I know what you're saying right now. If they want to come back and talk to me, they can come back and talk to me. That's arrogance, all right? What you should say is, okay, I'll go and just knock gently on the door and say, hey, I'm here. I care about you. I'm not kicking the door down, and I'd love to see this restored. Leave the door open a crack. This is what Jesus does. Revelation 3.20, here I am, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. He doesn't say, I stand at the door and I'm kicking it in and we're going to be, no, no, he doesn't say that. He just says, I'm at the door, I'm knocking, hey, I'm here, I love you. He says, if you open the door, I'll come in, I'll eat with that person and they with me. It's that, it's, it's, it's that simple. It is that simple. You, know, you and I, uh, the hardest work we do, I- I'll be honest with you, the hardest work I've done all the years of my life always involves other people. <laughs> and yet it's the greatest work you will ever do. You need them. You were made not to be alone. So I challenge you, take these things. Listen, you know, speak the truth and give permission for people to speak to you. Don't quit. These things are so important. I challenge you. And so I'm just asking, I'm asking again, I mean, for the umpteenth time, do you have spiritually intentional relationships? Maybe I say it this way, who's in your spiritual tribe? And if you don't know, we'd love to help you. Listen, if you don't have anybody like that in your life, we'd love to help you. This is where you start. You have to take a step. So here's one thing you can do. We will, we'll support you. We'll coach. We'll do whatever you want. You just, you just text tribes to 77948. That should come up on the screen. I think it will. If you just do that, 
We'll respond to you at some point and then we can help you and help you find a relationship. It's your choice whether or not you do that. You do that first. First, and I'm just saying to everybody watching online, everybody in Hastings, everybody, first, your relationship with Christ is what matters. If you've not made the decision to follow Christ, you can do that right now. I'm going to pray. We'll sing a song. We'll be done shortly, but listen, let's, let's open our hearts. If you haven't given your life to Christ, or if you're far from God right now as we pray, why don't you come back and give your life to him? So Jesus, now we come. We come to you, and, and, and if that's you, just say, I, Jesus, I don't even get it. I don't even understand it all. Be honest with him. I don't understand it all, but I believe you are there. I believe in you. And so I ask you to come and take charge of my life. Just pray that. Jesus, I believe. I ask you to come in, take charge of my life. That's all you need to do. I believe. I'm asking you to come in and take charge of my life. It's the first of many steps, but this is a key one because your life changes forever. And for everyone who prayed that prayer now, God, we pray that you would move in their hearts, that their lives would be touched and changed and grow and develop. If you prayed that prayer, click the link online or here at the Hastings campus, you can just let somebody know, write it on one of our connection cards. However, communicate and grow in your relationship with God. Because here's what, here's what matters most. You and I walk with God. So now, Jesus, move by your spirit as we pray, as we worship. We look for you to move in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.